You're listening to Blessed, Living the Good Life According to Jesus, a study of the Beatitudes. For more information, visit our website at crosspointptc.com. How are you guys doing today? Good. Welcome to Cross Point. My name is Josiah. I'm the lead pastor. Yes, I have tattoos. No, they don't come off. So we have a ship right here and an anchor and my baby's feet, just so for you new people. So you're not like, what? What is that? Are those from a former life? No, this one is from last year. So uh, <laughs> glad you guys are here. Um, we, I just want to show you guys some pictures because remember how we talked about the Ethiopian pastors that we give, our, we give 10% of our budget away to church planting and, and a percentage of that goes to Ethiopia to help plant churches in Ethiopia. And remember how I talked about how we, we were funding a conference that they were going to have? Well, our missionary Travis sent me these photos. He put them on Facebook, so you might have already seen them, but I, want, I just want to show you. All right, there, here's, the, here's the conference. So these are the Ethiopian pastors, church planters that are coming. Travis is in the blue jeans right there, and he's got a translator with him, and he's teaching them about the gospel. He's teaching them about Jesus, teaching them about what it means to plant a church. And I think they're, I forget what verse he was, they were preaching from. Uh, I think they were in Luke. It was, the, the whole conference was centered on like one set of scripture that, that would fuel these men and their hearts and desires for Christ. Uh, look at the next picture. This is great. Look at these guys studying uh, the word of God. See the pamphlets and the, book, the booklets that they have and the pens and pencils? That's from us. We funded the ability to, to be able to have the curriculum for them to look through and read. Uh, and, then, and then we'll just show the last one. I think this is the, the men in prayer. Um, yeah. And I, I tried to Google Translate what that sign said, but I think the, the language they speak in Ethiopia is Amharic. I forget how to pronounce it, but Google just, I mean, a, a picture came up, and he was like, that, that, was, that was Google when I tried to get the translation. So I'll try to get uh, from Travis some stuff, but this is, all, like, this is where our money goes. You know, like, uh, obviously we take care of the family. Obviously we keep the lights on. We pay the bills. There's, I mean, think about your own budget. There's a lot that goes into making your own budget, right? You got to think about bills and food and all that. Like, the, uh, the church leadership is the same way. But you guys are the family, and we got to take care of the family. And so, uh, but, but we love giving our money away. And so your money is going so that, like, these, these hundred pastors or however many were total in the, because I think they had two locations or something. They, they uh, oh, no, it was two days. These pastors are going to go back to their villages and their tribes and they're going to tell people about Jesus. People are going to get saved because you gave your money. Like your money goes places. It grows feet and walks out. You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just go into pockets. It's making a difference. So for those of you who give here at Cross Point, thank you for your generosity. People are meeting Jesus because you're generous. That's incredible. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to show you guys is, uh, if you weren't here last week, we're going one service. Cross Point Together is what we're calling it. We just feel like it'd be really fun to get you guys and then the people who just left the church all in the same room and just worship together and be together and meet new people. And we really feel like this is what God has for us next. And we might go to two services again in the future. We're Again, like we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and the Bible. And, 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 and when God says, okay, go to services or knock down more walls or whatever, we're going to step into that in full assurance, knowing that Jesus is leading us by his grace. So 10 o'clock next week, one service, cross point together. Also, set your clocks back. 
If you don't set your clocks back, you'll be here at 9 to help us set up, and it'll be great because we'll have extra hands. But set your clocks back. It's going to feel like 11. We're all going to be starving. We can go to Cracker Barrel together afterwards. Party of 80, please. You know, like that would be great, right? It's sweet. So like, we'll, go to, we'll go to Taco Bell. Who am I kidding? You guys aren't going these guys. Sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. I wound them up and then let them go. Um, so um, where's Eddie at? They slept south over and side. didn't come here. I love Southside. Yeah. South Pastor Chris is one of my best friends. He's amazing. They're, they're, they're learning about Jesus right now. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Loyalty. I love it. I do love Southside. Pastor Chris has benefited us. Pastor Keith Moore at Dogwood. I love Pastor Keith saying, he says, uh, he says guess how many churches there are in Fayette County? People are doing the math. This is one. There's one church. We gather just in different places, and we learn about Jesus and sing of his glory. So um, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, we love Jesus here. So if you don't know him or if you do know him, that's what you're going to hear about a lot if you come. I hope you come back and hear uh, some more about him. Uh, our series right now is blessed. And the reason it's hashtag blessed um, is because the hashtag blessed is a trend that's used on Twitter 15,000 times a day. And it's used in 15,000 different ways. And, and it's so interesting. All these people have their own ideas of what blessed means. And so we're taking a series. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're studying the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And we're seeing what the blessed life actually consists of. And what we've learned so far is that a blessed life consists of knowing Jesus. That if you know Jesus, that means you're blessed. You are truly blessed because you are in the kingdom of God. Everything else, yes, it is a blessing. You could say you've been blessed by God. We're not trying to eliminate any sort of language or be nitpicky, but to truly be blessed is to know Christ. And so today we're going to move into meekness. What is that? Like, again, I, I come to these, I've read these, these verses a hundred times, and again, I came this week and I was like, meekness, what is that? And so we're going to learn about what that is. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about meekness. So let's pray and we'll get started. You guys okay? Okay, we're going to pray. I don't need it. You guys okay? We're going to pray. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your grace. God, thank you uh, that you sent your son to live a perfect life, die on the cross, and be resurrected again uh, for your glory and our good. Jesus, I pray that you would show us what meekness is today. Teach us, God, as we humble ourselves under your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, open up to Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Um, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the third beatitude, okay? The first two beatitudes are about our relation and position to God. So the first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit. We recognize that we are poor in spirit, our spiritual poverty. What that means is God is holy and we are sinful. We recognize that position and, and it humbles us. We said, wow, there's nothing that I can do to gain your approval outside of Jesus Christ. I am poor in spirit and that's an intellectual understanding. And then we looked at being uh, mourning over our sin. That's an emotional response to our position in relation to God. We mourn our sin. We mourn the sin of other people. We mourn the sin and effects of the world. 
The third beatitude today is, is how we relate to other people. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is, this is a relational thing, like a horizontal thing. Like, turn to the person next to you. This is how you relate to that person who's sitting next to you, who you brought with you, who is drinking delicious coffee right now. And, and this would be confusing for the Jews. Check this out. The Jews at the time thought that spiritual blessing meant riches. They thought that God's favor was on the people who had all of these blessings, all of these things, and that's why they're so confused. I mean, if you look at the story of the rich young ruler, the guy that comes and tries to follow Jesus, um, and, 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 and Jesus says, sell everything you have, and he walks away, and he's sad, and Jesus says the famous line, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven, and, and what's, what's the people's response after that? They say, who can be saved? That's, that's, you know, have you ever wondered why they said that? They're saying that because they looked at people who had money as having God's favor. And so they said, if that person has all of that money, they have all of that favor from God. If they can't be saved, who can be saved? And Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. He's saying that only God can save. And so the Jews are mind-blowingly just like, wait, the meek inherit the earth? This is so confusing. Uh, to them, I think it's confusing to us today because I think our culture does the same thing, right? The people who are blessed or the people who have more, just wait for it. Just wait for Christmas when the Facebook photos, the Instagram photos come up and, and, and your buddy down the street has a new car or she gets the Lexus she's always wanted. Just wait for it. So blessed this year. Hubby got me this. Hashtag blessed. Oh, just wait for it. You're going to come to me. You're going to be like, look, see, see, she doesn't know what blessed is. You're going to be so mad, and we'll just have to work through it together. Um, but they're so, it's so confusing. I mean, even inherit the land. What, like, the, the Jews are like, wait, the, even the Israelites had to fight. What do you mean the meek inherit the land? Because the Jewish understanding was that the Messiah was going to come in power. He was going to come in military might and overthrow the oppressing government. And, and so the, the Jews were looking for a military leader. And when they hear, wait, the meek inherit the land? No. And it's the same thing with us today. The meek don't inherit the land. Meekness is equated to weakness in our culture. You're a pushover. You can't do anything. You're not capable of taking care of yourself. I don't want to be meek, but Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength that is bridled. I used to, um, uh, I used to um, shovel horse manure as a job um, when I was your guys' age. I had a job. Do you guys know what that is? I didn't think. You, you quit yesterday? Oh, my goodness. Sorry, that's my fault. I keep doing that. Um, it's, I, I scooped horse manure. It was disgusting. And there was a quarter horse there named Tonka. And he was huge. And I would have to, like, move him out of the way to scoop his stall. And I, he, I'd be like, Tonka, move. And I'd smack him. And he'd just look at me. And he'd just stand there. And I'd be, like, pushing on him and leaning on him. And, and he wouldn't move. And, and, but the thing is, if I put a bit in Tonka's mouth, I could make him go wherever I wanted. That strength would be bridled, and that would be under self-control. Well, meekness is the bit that we put in our mouths. That's the self-control. We harness that strength. And Pastor Chan Kilgore, who's the lead pastor of uh, Cross Point Lake Nona, says this. Meekness is honestly assessing yourself in light of God's holiness and our own sinfulness. Meekness is not weakness. If meekness is not equated to weakness, then how do we live meekly without coming across weak? 
Meekness is being freed from self in its every shape and form. Self-concern, pride, boasting, self-protection, sensitivity, always imagining people are against us, a desire to protect self and glorify self. You guys struggle with any of those? We'll talk about that in a little bit. So what's an example of meekness? Let's look at an example from the Bible. Turn to Numbers chapter 12 in your Bible. It's in the front. It's the fourth book. Um, um, I, I love it when people are like, well, I did, a, I did a yearly reading plan, but then I stopped at Numbers because it was just Numbers. I'm like, no, it's not. There's amazing stories in the book of Numbers. Like, stop saying that. That's how I know you didn't read Numbers, is you think it's only Numbers, right? There are lots of Numbers in it. Check this out. So Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, they're, they're three siblings. Moses is the guy who God has used to just lead all the Israelites out of Egypt. He's led God's people out of slavery into freedom. We did a whole series on this uh, this, this past year. You can go back and listen to the podcast. But, but Miriam and Aaron are, are Moses' siblings. And, and, and let's look at Moses' example of meekness and, and what Moses does when, when someone comes against him with criticism. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman who he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. You ever been there? Your brother or sister or someone in your family marries someone you don't approve of? You get together with your other siblings, you just run your mouth because they married a Cushite woman. You ever done that? Maybe not a Cushite woman, but Moses has married a Cushite woman. I like saying Cushite woman. It's fully lost its meaning now. Cushite. Say Cushite woman. Doesn't mean anything now. Like if we say bear a lot. Bear, 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 bear. Like it doesn't mean anything now. And they said, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not indeed spoken through us? You ever been that person? Why are they on stage? Why do they get to lead worship? Why do they get to lead discipleship? Why are they the community group leader? Why do they get to serve? Why wasn't I asked? Why does nobody want my opinion? You ever entered that realm where you start complaining about what you don't have, what other people do have? You start that comparison game? I have. And the Lord heard it. That's the scary part. The Lord hears you too. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. That's a lot of people. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. I like to think he used their middle names, but it just wasn't written down. You know, they were in trouble. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of a cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward, and he said, Hear my words. And, and here comes the, the tongue lashing. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. And here it comes. Not so with my servant Moses. And I could just see him being like, yes, all right, Moses is going to get it. But he flips it on him. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. God's pronounced his judgment on Miriam because of her attitude and her pride. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead who sinned. 
Oh, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, oh God, please heal her. Please. Moses isn't happy about this. He's not excited that Miriam finally got what was coming to her. This is his sister. He has compassion. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days. And after that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was uh, shut outside the camp seven days. And the people Brought, uh, did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Moses knew he had done nothing wrong. He knew he was right, but he didn't defend himself. He didn't have to get all defensive and get in their face and point out their sin or, well, I did this and you don't do No, he trusted in God. He entered into meekness because he was meek. Because, number one, he understood his position in relation to God. He understood that he was poor in spirit and therefore he understood Miriam and Aaron's position in relation to God. He understood that they were poor in spirit, that they needed the same grace that he got. So he didn't feel the need to defend him. Himself. Instead, he chose to bridle that strength, that rightness, that justice, that indignation, and he was self-controlled, and he allowed God to take care of it, and God did take care of it. Jesus is the most amazing example of meekness in all of Scripture. He is the picture of meek. Look what he says here uh, in the Scripture that we have Jesus saying, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the same word as meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus was the meekest person in all of history. He continues to be the meekest person in all of history. And it's him that we can look to to learn meekness, to grow in meekness, to ask him to show us meekness. And, and the thing is, is meekness isn't just self-controlled and withholding, like restraint. Meekness also means standing up for what's right. Using that self-control, controlling your strength to defend the truth, to defend what is right, to, to see that, 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 that evil does not overcome good. And we see this in, in a, a bunch of different places. Jesus deals with Peter. Peter denies Jesus. And, and one of the gospel writers says that they make eye contact after he does this. Peter could have, I mean, Jesus could have lit Peter up. See, I told you you would deny me three times, but he didn't. He made eye contact. He didn't say anything. And then after his resurrection, he comes and he restores Peter in relationship with him. In John 21, he restores Peter in ministry and his calling and his vocation. He enters that forgiveness. He enters that grace. Jesus shows that. Same thing with Judas. Judas comes to portray Jesus in the garden with the band of robbers and, you know, the, the, the officials and all the, the hoodlums that were coming to grab Jesus. And Jesus calls Judas friend. And he means it. He's actually Judas's friend because Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus isn't just a friend of people who do the right things or, get, or, or, or go to church or read their Bible. Jesus is continually shown as a friend of sinners. We have to be careful how much condemnation we throw at Judas because there are times where I think I've been Judas. I've sold Jesus out for money or power or position or glory. You know what Jesus does? He says, friend, and he leads me in repentance. 
unlike Judas, I don't go hang myself. Like Peter, I walk in that repentance. I accept the forgiveness. I grow in the grace of God. And my prayer is that you would do that too. But Jesus also shows, like, I mean, the same Peter that he loved and he restored, he also rebuked in meekness. You know, Peter comes, he starts running his mouth because that's what Peter does. If you read the Gospels, that's what he's great at. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, can you imagine if you were in a community group, and here's Michael's community group, and you're just running your mouth, and Michael just goes, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that happened last week? Perfect, good. That's perfect. Someone here is weeping. Uh, you know, you, you'd have to work through it. would be like, Josiah, Michael called me Satan. And be like, well, you are, you know. It's just, you're just the worst. No, I wouldn't say that. Jason would say that. Um, he's not in here to defend himself. <coughs> Um, but he says that to Peter. He stands up for what is right. He stands up for the truth. Jesus makes a whip and flips tables in the temple. He, all the money changes. He loses his mind. He, he shows the perfect example of meekness. And, and, and all of that culminates to his perfect example of meekness on the cross. Martin Luther is a famous theologian. He calls that moment the great exchange where Jesus was hung on a cross. And he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. Jesus lived a perfect life that you can't live. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to reach perfection. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to do enough good things to outweigh the bad things. If you could, you wouldn't need a savior. And you're wasting your time here. But you can't, and God knew that. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus lived that life perfectly. And then he was hung on a cross. And on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin on himself. And, and when we're saved, Jesus puts his righteousness on us. So that Jesus was raised from the dead. Three days later, he conquered sin. He conquered death. And now when God saves you, when he brings you from spiritual death to spiritual life, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's another reason why you don't have to do anything to earn God's approval because when God looks at you, you are clothed in the perfection of his son. There's, no, there's nothing to achieve. We are continually sanctified, yes, but our sanctification happens as we look at our justification. Because as we look at what was paid on the cross, that grows us in our love and affection for Jesus. For some of you, the reason you struggle with sin and, and certain sins is because you struggle with having joy in Christ. You don't look to the cross. You've left the cross. You've gotten saved, and you're moving this way, looking for deeper things. You're looking to Bible studies to do only what Christ can do. You're looking to community group to do only what Christ can do. I do this all the time. I find myself wandering, trying to find my self-worth or impress God with my church planting or how I lead my family, my righteousness. And I have to repent of that. Jesus, that's not why you love me. You love me because you love me, because you're perfect. You're not impressed with me because of the things I do. I should do the things I do because I'm impressed with you. That's just, that's just the mind-blowing grace of Christianity. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe in Christianity. Jesus says it over and over again. I mean, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, tired of working for your salvation, come to Jesus. 
That's his entire message. That's the message from day one, page one of the Bible. In the beginning, God. Not you. Not what you've done. Not how impressive you are. In the beginning, God. It begins and ends with our glorious creator. And he's been on a mission to save you if you don't know him. I hope you meet him today. So all of this helps us see what meekness is. Strength that is bridled, Jesus' example, Moses' example, etc. What is the opposite of meekness? What does a person look like who lacks meekness? C.S. Lewis says this, If anyone thinks that Christians regard unchastity as the supreme vice, he is quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are the least bad of all sins. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is the opposite of meekness. Pride can manifest itself um, in many forms, but I think the famous theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard put it really well uh, in his writing, Sickness Unto Death, saying, Spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. See, the greatest heresy in the Christian church and the greatest heresy that you and I will commit, uh, and, and, and God is gracious to forgive us, is that we add things to Jesus. This is the heresy that Paul fought in Galatia when he wrote the letter to the Galatians. The Jews were trying to add circumcision or law or following the Ten Commandments. You know, they added all of these things. Well, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you have to do this also. D don't, don't think for a second that in the Bible Belt culture of South Atlanta, we don't do this. Yeah, all right, well, welcome, brother. We're glad you're a Christian. Well, now you've got to read your Bible. You know, Jesus is going to be angry if you don't read your Bible. Now you've got to pray. Should we read our Bibles? Yeah. You should read your Bible every day. There, your pastor said it. Read your Bible. Should you pray? Yes, pray. Why wouldn't you pray? Should you give your money? Yes. But are those things going to help you gain favor in the eyes of God? Never. The only thing that gains you approval in the eyes of God is Jesus Christ. I'll say it over and over again till I'm blue in the face. I'm so glad we're going to one service. I don't have to say it. I just get so excited. And, you know, I just yell a lot. Um, this is what we talk about every Sunday. Jesus, 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 Jesus is enough. Jesus is all. There's nothing you can do. It's all grace. It's all grace. And you guys leave here and you look at me crooked-eyed like something is up. Because that's what the devil likes to make us think. That's what our flesh likes to make us think. That's what the world likes to tell us. Nah, I can't, it can't be that easy. Yes, it is that easy. That's why it's called grace. Because it's too easy. It's scandalous. What a cool plan. Isn't that amazing? Being a Christian is all about who you know, not what you've done. Getting into heaven is all about who you know, not what you've done. I'll tell you a story I don't like telling this story because nobody likes to tell stories about how awful they are. But I think this um, pertains to what we're talking about today. And I just want to be transparent with you guys. Um, before I became a, uh, the worship pastor at Cross Point Waterford Lakes um, in Orlando, um, I was fired from a church for being prideful. 
which you can't say anything to, because like, you know, it's like you're prideful. No, I'm not. You're, you're prideful. I'm the humblest person I know. You're like, you can't see, you know, you can't. There's no rebuttal. You just got to be like, ah, if you say so, you know. Have you ever been called, anybody else been called prideful or something? Like, that's really prideful. That's arrogant. You're like, what, what do you mean? Like, that's a nicer way of saying no, you're wrong. Um, and, you know, it's, it was true. And the thing was, I couldn't see it. You ever had that? Someone points out sin in your life and you can't see it? That's why it's called a blind spot, you know. It's like, you're this. Nuh-uh. It's like, yeah. Let me do that thing where the hairdresser puts the mirror behind you so you can see all of it. You're like, oh, yeah, that is a messed up haircut, you know? <laughs> but you tell them it looks good. You tip them because it's just hair. Um, yeah. So I get fired for being prideful, and this girl calls me. Her name's Valerie. She's from the Ivory Coast, and, and you, you don't answer when Valerie calls because she has this spiritual gift where she hears God audibly, he tells her things, she doesn't get a context, um, and then, and then she, she, she just tells the person what he says. It's terrifying. She'd be like, oh, God told me I have to talk to you. And I was like, we're not talking anytime. You know, I was just like, I don't want to hear, because she's always, you know, it's God, so he's always right. And so she calls me, she's like, right after I get fired, she has no idea I've been fired. No idea. And she calls me, she says, God wants me to talk to you. And I was like, oh my gosh. All right, so she comes over, and, um, and she starts telling me these things about myself that no one else knows. And she's so confused. She's like, I'm sorry, I have to tell you this. Does this make any sense? And I'm like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> you know? And she's just right. And it's this really prophetic moment that she's telling me these things. And God is talking to her. And I got like snippy. And I said, oh, yeah, well, well why is God doing this? You know, if, you're, if you have a gateway to God, you know, if you have the red telephone to God, why is he doing this? And God said to me, through Valerie, concerning the pastors that I was under, I exposed their weakness to you. And you judged them instead of praying for them. My whole defense was built on I'm right. These guys are this way. They're not right. I can't believe they would do this to me. They're this. They're that. They're this. They're that. And God is saying, yeah, but you're prideful. I showed you their weakness because you were supposed to pray for your leaders. You're supposed to pray for your pastors. They're sinful men that need grace. God graciously exposed the weaknesses of my brother to hit my knees in humility and ask God to change their hearts. And as we're sitting there, she says, God's giving me a verse for you. And she said, turn to Revelation 2, 2 through 5. And I wrote it down. I read it later. And um, it says this. Oh, and by the way, if someone tells you that they have a gift of prophecy and that they receive words and things like that, prophecy will never be devoid of this. This is God's prophecy. This is God's word. This is God's truth. Now, God tells us things all the time. We live in the spirit. God speaks to us. Yes, he uses us, but it will rarely be devoid of scripture if it truly is from God. And, 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 and if you get a word and there's not scripture just attached to it immediately, um, like if you have visions, if you have dreams and there's not scripture in the dreams, or if someone says, hey, God told me to tell you this, 
and, and there's not a scripture attached to it, go test it against scripture. See if it's true, because some of that does happen. You can be encouraged by a prophetic word, you know, and it doesn't have to, you know, uh, God told me to tell you this in, in John chapter 3, you know, but God could be comforting you in a time, but make sure you test everything about this, because this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. This, through the person and work of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. So, 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 you know, I'm not telling you to be skeptical, but be a Christian. Do your work. Don't just take everything at face value. Test it against the word of God. And she says this. She tells me to go to this, this, this verse. And this is to the church in Ephesus. So, you know, this, Pastor John isn't writing this to Josiah in, in 29. Um, but, um, but I think that, that God was contextualizing this verse to, to help me through this time. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. At this part, I'm like, yes, see, I knew I was right. I'm doing the right thing, standing up for what's right. And I kept reading, there's that pride. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The lampstand was the place that the church held among the seven churches. I think it's interesting reflecting on that, that the, the consequence would have been the removal of the lampstand. I was... It's two and a half, three years out from being called to plant a church. I wonder if I'd continued in my pride and been arrogant and ignored the word of God if this lampstand would have been removed. If we would even be sitting here hearing about the gracious and gloriousness of our Lord Jesus Christ because I chose to be prideful and arrogant and ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so... It's not that I was humbled then. It's that as my life continues, I'm continually humbled by God's grace. Because I, I wasn't poor in spirit. I was rich in spirit. I didn't mourn my sin, which led me to pride, and God had mercy on me and broke me. And he led me in his kindness to walk in repentance, to see my pride, to see my arrogance, to see my non-meekness and it was incredibly painful and I wouldn't trade it for anything I think there are some, some, some ways that that plays out uh, in our everyday life um, because even this week I was, I was assessing my week there was, there, was, uh, there was one particular time I was not meek at all I was lacking meekness and then there was another time that, that I felt like I was pursuing meekness. I'm going to tell you both stories. And I don't like telling stories about where I'm the hero. That's always a red flag for me when the pastor is always the hero of the story. You know, it's like, oh, okay, the hero here is this guy, not Jesus, you know. But I want to, I want to tell you this story because of the grace I experienced uh, through this and, and kind of mind-opening for me 
uh, in the realm of meekness. I just want to share it with you. But know that both of these stories are just saturated in grace because you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it right. You're not going to get everything and then check every single box and make sure every T is crossed and I is dotted. But um, apparently I did the math wrong last week. Get off me. I I did the math wrong, okay? And, and my wife pointed it out, and she's like, hey, did you know you did the math wrong? And, like, she was saying it in a way of, like, it was supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to include the 80 people, so it was supposed to be times four, you know? And she was saying that, like, that's a good thing. That means, Josiah, there's more, that's more people. But instead, I was like, oh, yeah? Does that make you feel better? And I just went to the kitchen, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, does that make you feel better? Bruce, you ever said that? Maybe. Something, a variation of that. Well, I'm, all right, Healy, has Bruce ever said that? <laughs> you both, yeah. It's, and I was such a baby. I had to repent to Jordan and say, you know, please forgive me. I was such a baby. That's such a stupid thing to be mad about, you know. And, and I, but I wasn't seeking meekness. I was receiving criticism, and I was lashing out. I, I wasn't poor in spirit in that moment. I thought that I was puffed up and how dare you and, and all that and so and, and, and God had grace on me he led me in repentance she graciously forgave me uh, and then later on that week uh, we went to partners pizza delicious potato pizza if you go it's amazing they got this like sour cream base instead of red sauce and they have potatoes and they slice them thin and it's on there and there's cheese oh, you guys getting hungry oh let's go to partners after this um yeah, and, and so I was eating there, and like Mercy's spinning around and dumping water on the floor, and Sunday's pulling on Jordan's hair, and we're just looking at each other like, two hours till bedtime, two hours, we got this, two hours to bed, we can do this, just hold strong, you know, and we only have two, like I don't know how you guys do it, like Bruce and Healy have all the kids, like that's, that's all of them, there's multiple bedtimes, there's, so, there's more bedtimes in their house in one night than we've experienced in our entire lifetime. That is how many children that they have, and it's God's blessing on them. And so um, we're sitting there. I'm with my babies. They're four and, and, and almost two. And all of a sudden, I hear these three, like, college-age kids behind me. And, uh, and one dude, he's on his speakerphone, number one. I'm just like, what are you doing on your speakerphone? And then he starts saying the F word. Just dropping F-bombs. And I'm like, my girl, like, they're parrots. Like, if they hear these words, like, what are they going to say? Like, you can't Instagram that. You know, that's not okay. And so I get, I'm furious, and I turn, and I go, hey, fellas, I've got little ones over here. And, and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Mercy goes, Daddy, how did you know his name? I said, baby, I don't know his name, but he's about to learn mine. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And... And, and, and that was God's grace in, in having me pursue meekness because I think that I could have been, been sinful in that moment. I could have yelled or swore, swore back at him, you know, like, or I could have, like, been just me, you know. But the thing is, because God, by his grace and the Holy Spirit, allowed me to pursue meekness in that moment and, and, and exercise that restraint, that self-control, bridle that Papa Bear, at the end of the dinner, I was able to go up to that table and I said, guys, I really appreciate you doing that. That was really respectful, quieting down, and they were so apologetic. And here's the thing, just like mourning leads us on to mission, meekness leads us on to mission. Because those men received the grace of Christ in that moment. 
I mean, I had every right to light them up for what they've done. What they did was wrong. I could have been justified. But instead, Jesus led me to give them grace and peace. And, 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 and I think that impacted them in a way that hopefully God will begin to cultivate that and use that. And so when we pursue meekness, it leads us on to mission so that other people can meet Jesus. I'm going long. I'm sorry. Actually, I don't even care. I'm not sorry at all. Um, <laughs> I just, that, was, that was a lie. I just lied to you. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> the same grace that saved you, if you're a Christian, is the same grace that will produce meekness in you. Um, and so the, the thing is, we walk in repentance. We ask God to teach us meekness. Now, here's the, here's the baffling part. Inherit the earth. The meek are the ones who inherit the earth. Like, this is kind of crazy, right? Like, this is the, the, the mind-boggling. How do meek people inherit the earth? Aren't the people who are strong and mighty and knock people over inherit? No. Uh, number one, the Christian already possesses everything in Christ. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10 says, We are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. If you possess Christ, you possess everything because Jesus is all. You have everything. You don't, if you have Jesus, you don't need anything. You know the guy who owns everything. That's why the Christian can rest and know that he's already inherited it. And then we will literally inherit the earth. Because Romans 8, Paul says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. That means when Jesus comes back and he inherits everything, we will inherit everything alongside of him because we are co-heirs with him. Provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. And so uh, the last thing I have is how do we assess whether or not we're meek? Like how do we measure that? That's hard to measure. Like how do I know whether or not I'm meek? I think the, the, the way we can measure meekness is how you respond when someone criticizes you. Like I think that we, we've got a camp over here that explodes when they receive criticism. They lose their minds. They get defensive. They dig up historical junk. You ever done that? Well, in 1984, you said, you know, like you just get upset, you know, and for you newer married couples, well, two weeks ago, you, you shut the door hard, you know, just, it's always, it's always really stupid you know, when we get historical, but, but that would show a lack of meekness, you exploding, losing your mind, getting defensive, arguing. I think another camp is sort of the passive-aggressive camp. These are the people who don't respond right away. They sit and simmer and boil, and then eventually it explodes. It comes out, or, 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 or it's a cold shoulder. And then there's another camp where you're totally passive, and, and you don't respond to anything. You just kind of know you're right, and you win the argument in your head. You know, in the shower, you're just, you're just like, and then I would have said this, and that's okay. And you just have your own little pride party, and you don't deal with it. You push it down, which is unhealthy. Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about this. He says, I can see my own utter nothingness and helplessness, face to face with the demands of the gospel and the law of God. I'm aware when I'm honest with myself of the sin and the evil that are within me and that drag me down. And I'm ready to face both these things. But how much more difficult is it to allow other people to say things like that about me? I instinctively resent it. 
We all of us prefer to condemn ourselves than to allow somebody else to condemn us. I say of myself that I'm a sinner, but instinctively, I do not like anybody else to say that I'm a sinner. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this message, visit us at crosspointptc.com. There you can contact us, find further resources and directions to our gatherings. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-E-P-T-C dot com.